seen some of the history behind this. Um, Last week we looked at the aspect that he called them out, that they were not seeking God's priorities first in their life. (coughs) And he really called them on the carpet, so to speak, for that. (coughs) I want to begin reading in verse 1 of chapter 2. In the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came to Haggai, the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shittil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory, and how do you see it now? In comparison with it, Is it not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while. I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Now ask the priest concerning the law, saying, If one carries holy meat in the fold of his garment, and with the edge he touches bread or stew, wine or oil, or any food, will it become holy? Then the priest answered and said, No. And Haggai said, If one who is unclean because of a dead body touches any of these, will it be unclean? So the priest answered and said, It shall be unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, So is this people, and so is this nation before me, says the Lord, and so is every work of their hands, and what they offer there is unclean. And now carefully consider from this day forward, from before stone was laid upon stone in the temple of the Lord, since those days when one came to heap to a heap of twenty ephahs, There were but ten. When one came to the wine vat to draw out fifty baths from the press, there were but twenty. I struck you with blight and mildew and hail in all the labors of your hands, yet you did not turn to me, says the Lord. Consider now from this day forward, from the twenty-fourth day of the ninth month, from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Is the seed still in the barn? As yet, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have not yielded fruit. 
but from this day I will bless you. And again, the word of the Lord came to Haggai on the 24th day of the month, saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake heaven and earth. I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. I will overthrow the chariots and those who ride in them. The horses and the riders shall come down, everyone by the sword of his brother. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shatil, says the Lord, and will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, says the Lord of hosts. So we find Haggai's message coming from God to Zerubbabel, to Joshua, to the children of Israel. And this is, as you recall, coming right after he He really called them out and said, your priorities haven't been right. You haven't been seeking the Lord first. You've been seeking your own ways. And and so he instructs them how to make it right. When things aren't going well in your life, what do you do? I mean, it may be simple things that aren't going well, or it may be major things. But we're often tempted to murmur, we're often tempted to complain, to gripe, sometimes to have a pity party. Why doesn't anything ever go good for me? And, And once we get in those, it really has a downward spiral. And, and after Haggai came to them and really called them out in chapter 1, they could have tucked their tail between their leg and walked away and had a pity party and felt sorry for themselves. I can't do anything right and so on. But God came back to them and gave them the message of Haggai. And, and we want to look at the message that he gave to them. So, when things aren't going well, or even when things are going well, these are how we are to respond. And, and we're going to look at five things, and, and I thought, as I watched this video, these, these people are portraying the truths of Haggai that apply in the Ukraine, and they apply apply to us in our lives here. So he comes in verse 3, and and he says, Who is there among you that remembers the old temple? And remember the old temple in all its glory, and you remember the new temple that we're starting. It's much smaller. It doesn't have the glory. And um, it would be easy to be discouraged. But he said, I want you to be strong. Rather than be discouraged, I want you to be strong. It is easy for us to get discouraged. We can make comparisons to others that may discourage us. We can come to wrong conclusions. We can think, 
here I am, I'm trying to do what is right, and I don't see any fruit from it. I don't see any change. I don't see anything happening. There are many, many ways that we all face discouragement, and uh, we can we can evaluate our life from a, a false perspective and and get very discouraged. And he says here to those that may be tempted there, I want you to be strong. That is a common theme throughout Scripture. To Joshua in Joshua 1, he says, I want you to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. He said in 1 Corinthians 16, writing to the church at Corinth, Writing to the men, he said, I want you to watch. I want you to stand fast in the faith. I want you to be equipped like men. And I want you to be strong. In Ephesians 6.10, after in the passage dealing with the armor that we are to put on, he begins that by saying, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. So he's, he's exhorting us over and over again. Paul wrote to Timothy, My son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So it, it entails a spiritual strength, a mental strength, an emotional strength, and a physical strength. Too many times... We do not have those strengths in our lives. And because of that, then we're easily prone to go into discouragement. doesn't matter what I do. Nothing matters. And, and many, many times in the Lord's work, there are many individuals that seek to do the Lord's work. They don't see the fruit they want to see. And they get discouraged and give up. <clears throat> Vince Lombardi said, Mental toughness is many different things and rather difficult to explain. Its qualities are sacrifice and self-denial. Aren't those two key things of the Christian life? Also, most importantly, it is combined with a perfectly disciplined will that refuses to give in. It's a state of mind. You could call it character in action. And this is what God was exhorting them through Haggai. You have come. You've forgotten what God's called you to do. You've gotten discouraged. You've not carried through. And you haven't had character in action. Another individual, Coach Vince, said, Mental toughness is the ability to face adversity, failure, and negative events, which those come in every life. But to face them without the loss of effort, attitude, and enthusiasm. Everyone works hard when they feel good. Everyone is enthusiastic when things go well. A person who is mentally strong does not let the circumstances dictate who they are at that moment. You control your mental toughness. And, and what he's saying here 
is we have Christ. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We, we should, in the midst of adversity, continue without loss of effort, without a bad attitude, and with enthusiasm. Anybody can rejoice when things are going well. When things aren't going well, do we stay on point? Do we stay focused? Do we stay with the same energy and enthusiasm? There are a list that people have put together of 12 things mentally strong people avoid. And I'll just mention a few. few. They don't waste time feeling sorry for themselves. They don't waste energy on things they can't control. They don't worry about pleasing everyone. They don't dwell on the past. What did he say? You remembered the past temple. But this is where you are now. And I want you to be strong. Suck it up. Get to work. Let's go on. They don't dwell on the past. They don't make the same mistakes over and over. They don't give up after the first failure. They don't expect immediate results. They don't make excuses. But there are things that mentally strong people do. They recognize their true source of strength. That's God. They forgive others without exception. They focus on their God-given strengths. They dwell on the person God wants them to be. And they act with joy now. So the first thing he said, I'm not coming here to pat you on the back. Oh, it's too bad. Yeah, you've had it rough. He says, no, be strong. And then you notice verse 4. Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work. Evidence that we have mental strength and spiritual strength and emotional strength is that we work. And why? For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. Haggai's point is that just as God committed to Israel way back in the book of Exodus, and He led them out, and just as His presence was evident through the pillar of fire and the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, So now God is with them. This is what God has called them to do. And he says we need to get up and work. The secret to doing the work of God is the presence of God. When you know that this is what God wants me to do and you realize the presence of God in your life, it makes all the difference in the world. When, when the boss is there, people work a little more diligently. But it's not only that, it's God works with us. This is God's work. That what we're doing should be God's work, and God is with me, and He enables me. He gives me wisdom, He gives me strength, and He says, now get up, be strong, 
Get up, go to work, and depend on the presence of God in your life. He says, realize God is with you and He will reward every work that is done. You give a cup of cold water in His name and He says He sees it and He will reward it. He gave the illustration. People will come before Him and He'll say, Well done. You fed me when I was hungry. And they said, We don't, we don't remember doing that. He said, Because you did it unto the one of the least of these, you did it unto me. That God sees every work, whether in private, in silence, whatever it is. And so he says, I want you to be strong. I want you to get up and get about the work. And remember, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. There will be many times that you will feel like your labor is in vain. That you feel like, you know, what is the use? What is the use? Why do we keep doing what we're doing? It doesn't seem to be working. It doesn't seem to be panning out. We don't see fruit. What's the use? Well, you have to realize God is with me. God will enable me. God sees what I'm doing. And He promised that the labor would not be in vain. And He said, Be not weary in well-doing. In due season... You will reap if you don't faint. Meaning, you keep planting the seeds, you keep doing God's work, and He said, I'll take care of it. In due season, you will reap. It may be this year, it may be in another decade, it may not be until eternity, but you will reap. So He says, get up and work and count on the Lord being with you. Hebrews 6.10 says, God is not forgetful that He would forget your labor of love. Elizabeth Elliot, who suffered much the loss of, of several husbands, and, and yet God worked in her life, and we've mentioned it before, she came across that poem, Do the Next Thing. Rather than feeling sorry for yourself, be strong, but it's just not a strong that stands there and flexes, so to speak. I'm mentally strong. No, it's a strong that gets to work. And in the poem that God, God exposed her to, part of it says, do the next thing. Do it immediately. Do it with prayer. Do it reliantly, casting all your care. Do it, do it with reverence, tracing His hand, who placed it before thee with earnest command. Stay on omnipotence. Stay focused on God. Safe beneath His wing. Leave all results. Do the next thing. So, we have to come back and say, am I doing God's work? It's not just get up and work. We may be busy, but we're not doing God's work. If I'm not doing God's work, 
I can't count on God's presence with me. You say, well, God said he'd never leave you nor forsake you. Right. He's there, but he's saying, you're on your own. That's not my work. And we can justify many things and think it's a good thing. But when you know you're doing what God has called you to do, and I don't mean the major big callings. I mean the specific things of life. Our memory verse, whatever you do, do it as to the Lord and not to men. When we commit our work to the Lord, He will direct our paths. And we need to do the next thing. Rather than sit around, rather than um, look at, at what's going on around and be discouraged, we need to be strong and we need to work. We need to do the next thing. But he goes on. Notice verse 5. According to the word that I covenanted with you, When you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. So the next thing, be strong, work, do not fear. Why? Because God is in control. He said, don't you remember what I covenanted with you, with the children of Israel? Don't you remember how I led Moses out of of Egypt? He's saying, don't fear, you can trust my word. His word tells us who God is. It tells us what he has done, what he is going to do, and what he will provide. The point Haggai was bringing is, look, God has brought us this far. Do you think he's going to drop you now? Oh, but what about this? And what? He said, don't fear. Courage comes from knowing God's plan and working in it with Him and trusting Him completely for provisions, for direction, and for victory. So He comes and He says, Be strong, work, do not fear. God is in control and you can trust Him. And then in, in, chapter, in verse 11 through 14, he gives some illustrations. He says, if, you're, if the priest comes and he has that which is holy and he bumps into something that is unholy, does that make the unholy holy? And they said no. And he illustrates about this, and we're not going to take the time, but he's saying... I want you to be holy. I want you to be separate from sin. Be strong. Get to work. Don't fear. And be holy. Why? Because this is God's work. God's work demands the very best. And God's work cannot be mixed with unholiness. And when we attempt to do God's work, with knowing sin in our lives, it doesn't make us holy. It makes the work of God unholy or the work that we're attempting to do for Him. If you were to have guests over today after church for dinner, well, let's just say, we, we, you were coming to our place today after church for dinner. And 
Maryland fixed a meal, all, all the fixings, all the things, homemade rolls, everything, okay? And a special raspberry, blueberry, blackberry rhubarb pie, okay? Believe me, it's really, really good. So we, we bring the plates out for you to eat, and there is dried up egg yolk on it. And we bring a bowl out, and it has um, old crusty oatmeal stuck around the side of that. And you'd say, this is disgusting. We bring to God what we think is a great offering and we're bringing it on old dried egg yolk plates and God finds it disgusting. And we think, oh, that oatmeal, don't worry about it. It's been there for weeks. Nothing's going to come off on you. (laughs) And we make excuses about, well, you ought to be happy that we're giving you a good meal. Gee, what an un- ingrate complaining about on a dirty plate. And we sometimes come to God. You ought to be grateful I'm giving you this. God says, no, my work, you ought to be pursuing holiness. And he says, I want you to be holy because this is my work, God says. But then... The last point that we want to make from this account of Haggai is that he really then encourages them from being discouraged, be strong, work, don't fear, be holy, and then rejoice. The victory is the Lord's. And through all of this, this short little book, he calls their attention in verses 6 through 9, that he said, I am going to shake all the nations. I am going to fill this temple with glory. The silver and the gold is mine. And he's saying, I just want you to remember, I'm bringing victory. He says, I'm going to shake the universe with a, with a cataclysmic phenomenon. He says, I'm going to fill the temple with glory and prosperity. I'm going to show the glory of God. I'm going to reign in glory and I will bring peace in verse 9. I will give peace in this place. And, and he's calling attention to how things are going to end. And he repeats it. It's like it's the second verse of the song. Notice verse 21. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake heaven and earth. I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. I will overthrow the chariots and those who ride in them. The horses and their riders shall come down, everyone by the sword of his brother. So he's reminding them. God calls attention to how things are going to end. And he's saying, we need a forward-looking mindset. And that really goes back to being strong. You want to have mental strength, you need to see how things end. And you need to see what God is going to do. 
In particular, he's calling attention to the glory of the millennial kingdom and, and the glory of God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who uh, was martyred for his love for Christ and his hatred of evil, said, when dark hours come and when the darkest hour comes upon us, then let us hear the voice of Jesus Christ which cries in our ears, victory is won. He calls attention to that. In the darkest hours, when when we are tempted to be most discouraged, we need to realize that Jesus Christ has already won the victory. God cannot lie. And in Christ we will not lose. There may be many, many difficulties that come in life and and many adversities that come in life but as you trust in God you will know the victory in Jesus Christ it's an oath that he's made that he will keep and he guarantees the victory so here he comes along and in the midst of discouragement He says to them, I want you to be strong. As I said, I think this video perfectly illustrates what we're talking about. I mean, talk about a situation of being discouraged. These believers in Ukraine. And and you, you read that he said, we had fled to Germany... But God brought us back here to serve. And you saw, while he was there, explosions were happening around him. So, mental strength and physical strength and spiritual strength, be strong and work. So he came back. They're going to the work. It's not about personal safety and security. They're doing God's work, taking the gospel, um, ministering to others. They're not overcome with fear that disables them from doing the Lord's work. They're committed to doing God's work in God's way, and they have to be rejoicing to know how this is going to end. Now, we're not right now in a war-torn country, but every one of us face things. And I, I ask you, of these five things, which one do you most need to work on? Do you need to work on being strong? Have you been down in the dumps and feeling sorry for yourself and and discouraged? Do you need to develop that strength that comes from God? Or, let me ask you, is it about work? I'm not saying, are you working? But are you doing God's work? And I don't mean that means just preaching or teaching or missionary. Every one of us, whatever we do, ought to believe this is what God wants me to do and I'm doing it for His glory. And then we can count on God working. How much of what you do, how much of what you've done so far this year has any eternal value? Or will it all be burned up? Are we doing God's work? And then thirdly, don't fear. Are you, are you controlled by fear? 
The whole society wants us to be filled with fear. Our own hearts are are fear factories. You know what I'm saying? We we produce all these things. Wait a minute. God's in control. He's at work. He is going to make all these things. He, he specifically said, I will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. God is at work and His will will be done. And are we committed to holiness? Or are we keeping some... Some pet sins in our life. Or are we, no, I'm not going to seek forgiveness. Or I'm not going to do that. Or I want to do this. And I'm so I'm doing it. Even though I shouldn't. And is our nature one filled with rejoicing? That we're filled with joy in the midst of, of what is going on. There's a little chorus and... We may sing it here in a moment. It says, In His time, in His time, He makes all things beautiful in His time. Lord, please show me every day as You're teaching me Your way that You do just what You say in Your time. You know, Whatever times we live in, these are the times God has ordained for us and these are times that we can be faithful to God and do the next thing. We might say, man, I'd like to see God do great and mighty things. Yes, but do the next thing and trust God to take care of it in the end. This is the key. This is the key to seeing God work and to live a life that is not wasted. And this is what Haggai brought to the children of Israel, and this is what God brings to us. How we can make things right by being strong, by being about God's work, not living in fear, pursuing a holy life, and rejoicing in the Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would make personal in each of our lives specifically what you want us to do. And Lord, I pray that we would take steps of action today. Lord, I pray if individuals are here today and they have never come to you for the forgiveness of sin, that today would be the day that they truly identify with you and their need for forgiveness by calling upon Jesus Christ. And then, Lord, I pray for every believer here today. May we know the ministry of your Spirit and may we truly respond with a ready yes to whatever you're asking us to do. Lord, may we truly make things right and may we have a faith that perseveres to the end to hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.